Hi, I'm Pizza Wolf. And I'm Tender Loving Cares. And you're listening to the second season of Horn Grief or More, the internet's favorite podcast about feedism, by the community, and for the community. This week we wanted to thank our Patreons, Butterfly Blob and Plumpen, Ayanami, Rorik and Salad Dodger for making this episode happen. If you want to do the same, you can do so at patreon.com slash h4m. Well, TLC, we had a great previous episode about video games and fat mm -hmm. and fetus representation in video games. Um, tons of community response on that, right? <laughs> yeah, who would have thought? We got yeah, so many amazing. people mentioning other games. So, um, like, really, just go check out on Phoebe. We had some awesome threads, people mentioning a bunch of other games. We actually talked about some other games that we just, we literally couldn't fit it into the podcast. So I'm going to be uploading a, some outtakes. We talked about Fat Princess. We talked about the Pandarans in World of Warcraft. Just some personal experiences we've had with them. There, there might be a little bit more fat representation than we thought, but there's also still not even close to enough. That's, I think that's the take-home message we got from that episode. Yeah, I think that's definitely the takeaway. Um, I, was, I was really pleased to see the level in, of engagement we got um, in some of the discussion threads that popped up on Phoebe. We have professional video game journalists commenting. We have people mm -hmm. who work in video game art commenting. And it was, it, you know, and shockingly, they, fat people like this stuff. Um, yeah, sure. you know, no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Everyone likes it. Um, but no, it was a lot, you know, it was, a, it was a lot of fun. It was really kind of illuminating too, to have pros. Cause I mean, we're kind of amateurs at this, but have mm -hmm. some pros, uh, peel back the curtain a little and show us a, a little bit more deeper and nuanced look into the video game industry. Um, if that happens on every episode, I will be tickled pink. So thank you to, uh, <laughs> those of you who participated in, in that. This week we have something again a little bit new and it kind of ties a little bit in with my nerdy side again because to those people who have actually read Hungry the magazine, they know that ages ago I put up what we've just started referring to as the fetism kink matrix or I think originally someone... The hexagons. Or the, I yeah. the hexagons. Someone really <laughs> early on called it the fat bible and I love the term for it oh, even though that's not... Sacrilege. <laughs> yeah. What it basically was was that I kind of tried to divide a whole different aspects and whole different like sub kinks that are in the fetism community into... One like neat OCD looking graphic with a bunch of hexagons just to represent how diverse the fetism spectrum can be. And that there's so many different sub kinks. Some people will be into all of them. Others will be only into a very select few. And that's perfectly fine. It's just a place for everyone within fetism. And it also borrows from other kinks that have intersected with fetism. And you had an awesome idea on how to kind of translate this into the podcast. Yeah, that's right. I was inspired by by the OG Stephen Colbert um, when he had the Colbert <laughs> Rapport. Um, he he did a, a segment on it called Better Know a District, where he was going to go to all, uh, all 535 voting congressional representatives districts mm -hmm. uh, in the U.S. and meet them one by one. Um, he got nowhere close to being <laughs> Not done with even it, close. but it was... Yeah, but you know, we we have a slightly more modest, uh, mm -hmm. more modest, less ambitious goal in covering these, and we figured, um, you know, a lot of the, 
a lot of the kinks that you kind of hear when you've been in the community for a while mentioned um, are not kind of, you know, straight up feedism, um, you know, one partner feeds the other or, or mutual, you know, like mutual feedism or so they, they incorporate something else or there's, there's an aspect of it that really turns someone on. And it can be everything from, you know, tight clothing to button popping to, you know, a fat person, you know, struggling with exercise or something like that um, to, you know, specific growth. And again, if you look at the matrix itself, um, you'll, you'll be able to kind of see all of these, but we really wanted to take a moment to drill down deeper and get you into a better know a kink is I think what we're going to be calling it. <laughs> um, so TLC and I, in our, in our unrelenting quest to categorize <laughs> the entire kink internet, um, we've spent some time, uh, researching, um, you know, going into, going into these, these kind of fetus adjacent kinks. Um, learning a little bit about their history, learning about kind of their appeal. Um, some of these kinks we have, some of them we don't. Yeah. Uh, well, we're not we'll trying to take it as we go. Yeah. Yeah, and 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 you know we're not we're not issuing any statement here um, no. as to the validity of one kink over another. None of them are better. None of them are worse. They're just kind of different facets of the uh, wonderful gem of of you know internet fat kink sex. <laughs> whatever whatever we're calling it man i'm bad yeah. at giving labels to things because our idea is to basically explain throughout next episodes and it's not going to be um they're not going to be all in a row we'll sparse them out over the next like over the coming months but we want to take at least 10 minutes to give you an overview of what one of those sub kinks is where it comes from, how it intersects with fetism, so that by the end of our journey, hopefully, we'll we'll have one uh, short little clip for each of those subkings. So new people who haven't heard of them can check them out, can get an overview of what it's like, and others who are already familiar with can give their inputs in the comments and let us know what they thought. Yeah, and maybe you know, maybe if you've if you've always wondered what um you know what what padding or what blueberry fetishism is um but never wanted to kind of go down that road yourself uh you can listen to trusty old pizza wolf and tlc give you just a a, a, the merest peek into it yeah and if you want to if you want to explore from there it's up to you Mm um i you know one of the things that that i say a lot and and i find to be very true is that kink understands kink um and you know as a result of kind of entering the kink community through, um, through largely what would be in, under the umbrella of fetism. Um, you know, I found other kinks which have kind of appealed to me um, over time. And you know, who knows? We we could be going down a very dangerous path and realize we're into all sorts of new stuff. <laughs> um, both both of us have been in the community for well over a decade now, mm-hmm. so I don't think it's I don't think it's likely that we 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 have some uh, stones that we haven't turned over yet. But who knows? You never um, know. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. So so that's the that's the disclaimer. Um, listen at your own risk. You may find that you are into something that you did not think you were. Yeah. Um, what we hope to do is is give you a um, kind of a, a brief history of the kink and its representation. You know, in in the various kink communities, um, what it's about. And then, uh, you know, how it interacts or, or how it relates to fetism more generally. And for this episode, I am going to be talking all about fat worship and belly worship. While Pizza Wolf, you're going to take us through the fascinating world of the blueberry kink. 
That's right. Going blueberry right yeah. out the gate. You want to start? Sure thing. Yeah, I was really interested when I selected the kink for this week, which is blueberry fetishism, uh, mm -hmm. because it really seems like a a specific scenario that has almost universal recognition within the kink community and and outside of the kink community. Obviously, and and I feel like I I might not have to say this, but in the event that I do, obviously, uh, the roots of blueberry fetishism are are very singular, which is kind of different from a lot of the other kinks we have definitely um, yeah and it really traces back maybe not so much from the book itself the book charlie and the chocolate factory but the 1971 film certainly willy wonka mm -hmm. and the chocolate factory and then also the the 2005 remake as well but that that 1971 film it's been shown to children um you know for for basically ever probably until they made the remake and, and people still probably watch both but in the original, uh, the character Violet Beauregard uh, was played by, in, in 71, uh, Denise Nickerson, and then in 2005, uh, Anna Sophia Robb. Violet Beauregard is on a tour of the Chocolate Factory. She gets uh, three-course dinner gum, which she mm -hmm. chews, uh, gets all the way through the, the roast beef and the mashed potatoes to yeah. the final course dessert, which is blueberry pie. Um, at that point, she begins to turn blue and then inflate, blow up, expand into a blueberry. Mm -hmm. um, what happens from there varies in what type of adaptation of the source material it is. Um, Basically, it can be yeah. like different shades of, of macabre. Is yeah, that a word yeah. in English? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> We 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 pronounce we say macabre. Macabre. We we, yeah, we, we yeah we just kind of leave out the the extra syllable. Okay. But no, it's um you know it's it's a it's a it's a weird thing because you know very rarely are we able to look at a kink and say, wow that you know that comes from right there. But mm -hmm. here we we have that opportunity and really what I kind of think it is using a food metaphor, this is this is like being a fan of you know, a ham and cheese sandwich before you knew that bread and cheese and meat were invented, um, if that makes sense. <laughs> and and I'll, if it doesn't, I'll tell you what I mean. Mm -hmm. So it seems like, you know, so again, we're, we're taking this back to 1971, yeah. we are solidly pre-internet here. Yes. Um, this is this is well before uh, kink was was widespread and, and the, the bar for entry was much higher. So mm -hmm. if anyone wanted to produce anything, not only are they going to have like a lot of physical restrictions on what they're able to produce, um, distributing it is also going to be nigh impossible. I don't know what Kingsters did in the seventies. Um, you know, probably not much, certainly smoke not signals. as much. Yeah. Sm yeah. Smoke signals, <laughs> uh, coded messages, disappearing ink, who knows a spy network, <laughs> pigeons. um, carrier pigeon. Sure. Like, like in the war. Um, <laughs> No, but you look at the things that blueberry fetishism touches, which would, which you could say would include size fetishism. Mm -hmm. um, you know, this this small person expanding into a great big blueberry, um, expansion yeah. fetishism, expansion, the fact yeah. that they're going from small to large. Mm -hmm. um, you know, even some sort of transformation fetish. You know, becoming fruit-like, or in yes. some cases, a fruit itself. She has juice in her. Mm -hmm. um, you know, changing colors, turning blue. Um, you know, the, the, all these things are, you know, then you also have, uh, tightening clothes and popping clothes famously in the, yeah. in the original movie, her red belt blows off and that kind of sends her into a spherical, uh, spherical arrangement, I guess. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, so it's all these things at once 
but it all came long before those things happened originally. So it was like the completed product was there that had all these elements before people could really say, oh, I'm an expansion fetishist. They really didn't know. There really wasn't a language for I'm an expansion fetishist. I like to see body parts or people expanding because the only thing there was was a Violet Beauregard turning into a blueberry. Well, I, I, don't, I don't know. I might be off here, but... I mean, she inflates in a way that just doesn't really happen naturally. So it's it's not something that you're even going to see if you haven't actually seen this kind of special effect. And and special effects were around for a while, and I guess there's been animation and stuff like that. But the 70s was still pretty early on, even for television history, when it came to what... Like, they, they don't have the kind of expansion, even the, the special effects... That, no, that, that we see that, nowadays for different kinds of expansions. So that might just have been like the first time they actually saw such a like an unrealistic expansion to some extent. That's that's very true. Um, yeah, it's it's you know we cer we certainly didn't have the access to video editing that we do today. Um, you know, for for the common person. And again, the type of you know th th these were practical effects in mm -hmm. Willy Wonka. There, yeah. This was a suit that was inflating. This was not. You know, not CGI or anything close to. I mean, mm -hmm. the the you'd need a computer the size of a football field. Yes. <laughs> um, but no, you know, this was this was something that would be near impossible for the home hobbyist to do. Mm -hmm. There have since been in you know within the blueberry community, which I I took a, a enjoyable dip in. Mm -hmm. um, you know, there have since been some fetish uh, content producers who have who have rigged their own expansive suits and and things and. And as the practical effects got cheaper, but at the time this was, you know, this was unique. You didn't have people changing, you know, people changing colors. You didn't have yeah. people blowing up. You didn't have, you know, big people being rolled around. Mm -hmm. um, you, you had none of that. All you had was Violet. Yeah. Um, and 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 strangely enough, Violet um, appearing in the in the seventy one movie um, is kind of perfectly timed for the first wave, you know, kid people who were kids in the 70s watching that mm -hmm. movie was when they were, you know, 5 to 10 hitting like, the the initial internet boom of the <laughs> 90s and the late 80s and 90s it went, you know, when they're yeah, 18 18 to 30 now and so Violet featured very heavily mm -hmm. in those initial kink communities. Um I think it's also something to note that because you know, because of the um, the tools available at the time for photo editing, this is kind of speculative on my part. But you know, early early pre Photoshop days, um, it was easier to kind of lay a tinted filter on something and then mm -hmm. kind of put human harm, human hands and a head on a a blue circle or a blue gradient sphere you'd created instead of individually like morphing or manipulating body parts larger yeah. so it was a relatively easy um kink to kind of replicate in fantasy so there's a ton of like <laughs> mid 90s to early 2000s celebrity like blueberry inflation art out there uh, because I think it was relatively easy to reproduce, and and there was a, a I guess a golden age of it, right around 1998. This totally reminds me of very early on within the first season. We mentioned, and then I'm sorry, this is not a, like one of those rabbit holes of mine, but the 
And, and and I'm not into it. I swear. I know it, it's, it's going to start to seem like it, but the Famous last word. Go ahead. <laughs> the quicksand kink was a thing that had also this very singular moment within television history where it all started, and since quicksand is something that as in an effect or even a plot device within movies or, or television series completely vanished, also the the king community around it has started to die out slowly but surely. It's it, like you, you can see this whole community kink community around that really age and, and come to a point where there's not really a new generation coming behind it except for some outliers. And like at least with Willy Wonka, we have several adaptations. We've had the, the Johnny Depp adaptation recently, and there might be other ones coming in the future. So I'm just going to start wondering if... Because like when you see the younger people within the fetism community, I have a feeling that I'm seeing the whole like Blueberry King less and less. And maybe yeah, it's going to start to rise again once the generation who was around five or seven when this new remake came out is going to start hitting the internet again like who knows maybe and maybe not i mean i feel like there's now you know there's now enough space on the internet where you know if you're interested in some other either size fetish or expansion fetish or transformation fetish Mm -hmm. um you can kind of hit those more directly than than backdooring your way in through the Violet Beauregard uh, blueberry inflation scene um, in Willy Wonka, and people yeah. might not be drawn to it. But who knows? Who knows? They very well they very well might be. It's certainly still kind of um, a hugely resonant moment in pop culture, especially you know when you think of other things from 1971, um, you know that are that are coming up on you know for, what 46 years old now. Yeah. Um, you know, you're talking about immense staying power. And it's been mm-hmm. referenced, you know, there have been multiple cartoons that have done similar blueberry expansion stuff. It's been done in, I think, The Simpsons and Family Guy have both done it. Yeah. Um, a live action version was done in that 70s show with Mila Kunis as the Violet Beauregard stand in. Um, <laughs> you know, much, much mm-hmm. to the delight of. I was going to uh, say, many a, yeah. Many a, a teenage expansion fetishist, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so it's it's exactly the type of you know thing that that still definitely strikes a nerve with people. Um, how it relates to fetism, a little bit more complicated. So I'm actually going to kind of work backwards with that because mm-hmm. the Mila Kunis bit was different. Uh, this featured her character turning into a blueberry via gaining weight because she was eating a bunch of blueberry pies. She didn't, oh. you know, she, yeah. So it's kind of a little bit more played into the, the eating part of feed, kind of, kind of auto fetism. How have gain. I missed that? <laughs> I'll link you. Okay, Don't worry. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, it's, it, you know, it's, it's garbage practical effects, but it's still pretty funny. Um, yeah, but yeah, you know, it's, it's close enough for us. Don't worry. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, as as far as as far as its relation to fetism, the idea of like a food that never stops or a super fattening food, um, those are kind of tied into the kink uh, somewhat. You know, the uh, the the swelling up or filling up with things. Sometimes we, you know, the fetists find the appeal of you know I'm being filled with food or filled with, you know, this is a little bit different because it's blueberry juice and it's being produced internally. Mm-hmm. So. A lot of it, you know, a, a lot of it. When I tried to like look down on into it more deeply, um, it seemed more fetus adjacent than explicitly fetus. But it has so much, um, you know. It, it starts out 
when when Violet begins to expand, it looks like she's just getting chubby. Um, her her shape rapidly changes into something more spherical, and you know, eventually is is just basically a big ball like a blueberry. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but it starts being looking very much like you know a weight gain expansion type thing, yeah. which obviously has more resonance with the fetism community as well. Yes. Um, and then as far as the uh, the size, you know, the size itself. You're talking about a character, you know, tripling, quadrupling her size in the in the 2005 remake, mm-hmm. um, you know, which was done with with CGI. Not only is it is it significantly more anatomical as far as the expansion goes, um, you know, but it's also it's also much bigger, um, yeah. you know. In that one, you see um, Violet's like arms and hands slowly sink into her her blueberry mm-hmm. body, and you know, it has a lot. I rewatched all of them, and I was like, wow, this was. That first one was bad. <laughs> and it but, happens you know, within seconds, right? If I remember correctly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean there's there's some cutaways and stuff, but you know, you take um you take a moment or two to 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 look at them and you realize kind of how you know, how starved we were. <laughs> or, yeah. or our pre- our predecessors were. Neither of us were alive in seventy one. Yeah. Not quite that old. Um <laughs> um but no, you know, so it it was it's kinda interesting to me as it, it's definitely, you know, it's definitely closer to fetism than a lot of other kinks that are completely unrelated. Like, say, I don't know. I'm not even I'm not even going to name one. <laughs> no, but, but um, you, you have some you know. parallels that you still see in fetism. One of them is it might have introduced instant weight gain into fetism, like magical weight gains in other sure. aspects, because that's something that I don't know if we've seen other examples before. That came out, and there's also been I've seen a lot of artwork on Deviant Art who will reference the more sphere- spherical form of like even weight gain expansion, even if it's not blue as the blueberry shape. And there's a bunch of round fruits. It's still like a, an, an homage to to the original blueberry scene. So yeah, absolutely. So- you know, when people say they're apple shaped or pear shaped, um, sometimes around all over it gets blueberry shaped. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, but again, it, you can just kind of see how how much this thing pokes itself into into culture. Yeah, it's fascinating. Yeah, it really it really was fascinating. So who knows? I don't know if it if there's going to be a a, a great second renaissance of of blueberry fetishism uh, <laughs> on the horizon or not. Um, but it it unquestionably um, you know deserves much credit. And for that, I salute you, Blueberry Fetishism. So the kink that I've actually chosen to go into in this episode is gonna be fat worship and to some extent even more belly worship. Surprise, surprise. (laughs) Surprise, surprise. <clears throat> I don't know what you're talking about. It's it's a it's a fascinating and amazing sub kink, and to some it's gonna be very obvious, but it's it might not actually be that obvious as some might think. So what is it? It sounds very obvious. It really what it says. It's about fat being worshipped, being adored, being admired, and would kind of think that within fat admiration and fetism, that's always gonna be the case, and. I hope it is for everyone. We all like fat people. That's why we're all here. But as a kink aspect in and of itself, in the way I had it in mind for the kink matrix, it's that it's somewhat of a counterpart to the teasing and humiliation aspect within fetism. So Mm. while 
Humiliation, for example, often overlaps with fetus being more on the submissive side of a power play if you choose to have one. Worshipping would be kind of more the dominant counterpart of it. So it can be physical, it can be worshipping specific body parts or size in general. Or it can be more of a, of a characterization, meaning like elevating the FD or the receiver of that worship as kind of like royalty. Or I've heard even like people referring to their FDs as, as deities within a role play scenario. So that's basically where I come at when I was thinking about fat worship or belly worship specifically. And, and belly is just one body part, but there can obviously be other kinds of fat body parts that you choose to worship. So where does it come from? And Are there like specific origins? And this one is obviously a lot more vague than the wonderful blueberry episode that you did. Yeah. <laughs> But I, I do think there's like some some things in history that we can like look back on because when we look at a lot of old deities that old civilization used to worship. But even later, like when we look at how some of the depictions of Romans or even just royals in medieval ages were fed, once worshipped as this kind of status symbol. And I definitely think that's kind of some of the origin that there might be to to this whole like fat worship. I think you have a really good point in that, you know, kind of the 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 celebration of excess has like a maybe maybe it's just our our deeply fetus screwy brains can't comprehend it. But yeah. I could never imagine, you know, I, I could never imagine worshiping the absence of a belly, you know, like <laughs> there there is there is no like skinny contrapositive for for this type of thing um you know it's it's a celebration of of that which is not which not that which is not and there are some people who i'm sure are going to be very very happy and very very pleased at the fact that they've you know lost weight or they don't have the belly they used to have and i suppose that's all well and good but in terms of like worshiping worshiping that and or like you know treating it as as you know this like almost almost um I don't want to say spiritual, but like this, this abundance, this, you know, that, that seems, it seems deeply tied to like, to, to notions of, of, of fat that we've, you know, that we've processed once societally and now kind of in our own little corner. Yeah. Um, that concept seems to go along with it pretty nicely. Yeah. Let's, let's talk about it in terms of what it's not. So, you know, so we're going to assume that like anyone listening to this podcast unless they've just gotten deeply lost on YouTube or the, or the algorithms are not functioning properly and you're being directed here by like a, a I don't know, a how to make Thanksgiving stuffing video. Yes. Um, you know, if, if, as long as that's not happening, we assume that on some level you're into fat. And if Definitely. that's the case, you know, we, we know it expresses it in itself in, in a myriad ways. So like, how, how would you, treat belly worship different from you know say someone who's into like you know weight gain teasing or humiliation mm -hmm. or kind of more more of that like you you definitely like it but it comes out as you like it in both experience. of those examples you know you you, yeah. you like it in both of those instances but yeah when you're actually focusing on teasing you're you're to some extent playing into how being fat is this taboo And how like titillating it can be to just kind of use use nicknames that used to have a more like negative connotations like piggy or stuff like that or like teasing that actually kind of teases someone for oh look how fat you've gotten you don't even fit into your clothes and there's obviously it's it's always or it should always be coming from a very like loving place but it it does put the receiver a lot of times into this 
more submissive role. Mm -hmm. While the belly worship would be, for example, I've seen a lot of parallels for people who are into size contrast, people who are into, for example, like squashing or face sitting. You know what I mean? As soon as the sure. feeder or the, the encourager or the admirer tends to be more on the submissive side themselves, it'll often turn into this this kind of like special form of, of like worshipping the the receiver like the the fd and kind of example. being being subservient to that mm -hmm. that massiveness exactly um, yeah i and i'm gonna float a, a somewhat weird literary reference here i'm going back back real far <laughs> um to to ovid the mm -hmm. uh the roman poet and and the pygmalion the other type of pig we're talking about here <laughs> the pygmalion where famously uh you built a you know, someone built a sculpture and then fell in love with it oh i think gosh, there's also yeah. kind of that that ass and you, you know you've seen that trope repeated again in like my fair lady or even frankenstein or weird science or you know stuff mannequin yeah. stuff yeah, like that definitely um, there's so many adaptations of that kind of like story that yeah but you can also kind of draw that parallel th that through line with feedism where you know you worship the thing you create if you're a mm -hmm. feeder and you work hard yeah. to put this huge belly on this person who is you know typically might not have anywhere near as huge a belly but for your hard work and and influence mm -hmm. you know it makes sense to kind of um make sense maybe not make sense none of this makes sense but it's understandable <laughs> All of this makes sense what are you talking about this, yeah well, it makes sense to us. Yes. Um, but, you know, it, it's understandable that, you know, you would want to really revel in in that creation. Um, mm -hmm. And, you know, it's obviously it's also teamwork. But I, I think there's kind of I can certainly see the appeal, um, you know, in, in, you know, working in this is a little bit of inside baseball here. But, you know, kind of working with a partner for, you know, over over weeks and months and years and meals and meals and thousands of calories and this and that, you know, there's, there's a, a sense of pride and a sense of joy, um, you know, that you feel knowing that you put those pounds on them or, you know, or you can, or I've seen it the other way too, or mm -hmm. that they put those pounds on me. Um, yeah. and you know, you, <laughs> you, you want to be happy with the thing you made. So the urge to kind of, to, to treat it particularly specially, uh, even up to the level of worship kind of makes a lot of sense. Another way that I saw where it often might overlap with fetism is, is like very specific like role play scenarios that you'll also see in weight gain fiction, for example. And that's this fantasy of I've actually seen it more with like dominant male gainers. Yeah. Gay gainers as well as some straight gainers that they want to have the servant who just provides them food Bring all me the food. time. Yeah, 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 yeah sure. That ties like strongly into BDSM to the point where it almost borders outside of feism. But when we're talking, like we're still talking about them gaining weight, about them being fed, but it's still something that, that in my opinion, goes into this this worship because, as I've said in the beginning, it can be physical, meaning like worshiping very specific body parts or or the size in general. But it can also be more on this character level where you worship this status role that the FD has and the receiver of that worship has. Well, it definitely seems like it's kind of in a role reversal of, of what the how the kink used to be publicly perceived, as it was always going to be a dominant feeder and a subservient feedee. Yep. Um, 
but yeah, you know, no, that that's that's one hundred percent a uh, trope which is which is under underrepresented historically in the kink, but is gaining more as as we kind of become more inclusive of non traditional approaches to it, where we have you know either like uh, someone's royalty or a god or goddess or something mm-hmm. that you know just and demanding tribute and, yeah. and what's theirs. <laughs> And uh, and I know that there are some uh, some supplicants who are all too willing to uh, to provide tithes and offerings. Um, <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. yeah. Even sure. especially for people who are into contrast, for example, like it seems to be also this flip side to contrast that the the reason why you're so much into this huge size difference is because this huge size difference is so imposing, and it's definitely something that I'm into, for example, because it it feels like humiliation for example has always been something that felt very alien to me even though i completely understood it coming from this very loving place it always felt like because size has always been something so fascinating to me and especially with me being as a smaller feeder it always felt so natural to also add this worshiping part of it that is like, I'm so tiny and look at this huge, amazing, wonderful belly, you know, that's, I don't know, that's, that's just where, yeah. where I came from. Yeah. No, I think, no, I, I think, I think it, I think it makes a lot of sense. And it's certainly, it's certainly, um, you know, an aspect of, of the kink that I've, I've personally enjoyed being on the receiving end. It's, it's, <laughs> it's good. It's good to feel like the king every once in a while. Yeah. Yeah, no, no, no. I, th- I think I think that that really hits on a lot of the appeal of of belly worship, both from the uh, the worshipper and the recipient of the worship. Well, that's the that's the that those are the first two installments in our Better Know a Kink series. Um, you're going to be able to find these eventually, all linked to uh, together on the. Uh, the Horngree uh, fetism kink matrix or or kink Bible, whatever we're calling it. Um, <laughs> fat Bible. The fat, yeah. the fat no. Bible, yeah. No, it's um, a, let, let's call it the kink matrix because fat Bible just seems so preposterous. Okay, so. well, on the on the Horngree uh, fetism kink matrix, mm-hmm. um, you'll be able to see these the, all these linked together. Um, we'll probably continue to cover them either as, as standalone little uploads or they might feature... Um, into new episodes if we find ones that are particularly interesting. Yeah. Um, you know, as always, if if we got it wrong, um, if we got it right, if there's mm-hmm. uh, some of those kinks on the matrix that you want us to cover in the future, um, you know, feel free to let us know. Yeah. Uh, drop us. We're we're pretty good at messages. Talk to us on Phoebe. Um, yeah. Leave us comments. We we make posts plugging these. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it's re- it's really fun to get feedback. As always, you can find us. Um, you know, also you can find me on Phoebe as Pete Wolf. And I'm Tender Loving Cares on Phoebe. I'm Hungry on Grummer and Chaseable. And I have my Tumblr, which is tenderlovingcares.tumblr.com. My website, which is hungrymagazine.com. And check us out on YouTube and on iTunes and on SoundCloud and wherever you can find us, basically. Yeah. So until next time, uh, I'm Pizza Wolf. And I'm Tender Loving Cares. See ya. Bye. called it the fat bible and i love the term for it even though that's not sacrilege (laughs) yeah that's okay god isn't real (laughs) okay (laughs) controversy here on hungry for more i'm just just trying to get our view our our follower count up you know yeah that's that's gonna work yeah